this is Johnny Baldy with you, Baldy Reports. With me, as always, is my great co-host and great friend, Joe Bitts. How's it going, Joe? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm doing good. So, how was your week? Week was busy. Obviously, I was working at Chick-fil-A, but I it was interesting. I had my COVID shot, my second one. And that night, I couldn't, I barely slept. And then Wednesday, I went to work, and I was sluggish from the get-go. Yeah, I think I remember someone telling you that's how the second shot was going to go. Why do you think that is? Why do you think like the first shot then was okay? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I got my first shot. Then the second one's I don't know. I just think maybe because you're getting exposed the first time. Then the second time, it's kind of a boost on the first one. And that really hit me down. So uh, I did bring up to you uh, a while ago. Sometime last week about there's something going on with Fauci. There's some emails coming out for the longest time, even like maybe since 2020 or beginning of 2020. They were like, hey, something's going on here. We don't think this virus is just just was just made out of out of thin air we think someone created this thing and everybody was like saying that and then facebook of course and then twitter is like shutting people down saying hey you're spreading false information and then all of a sudden something comes out on Fauci's email i, I really have you been able to read any of them or have you no, seen anything? I, ha- I haven't been able to read any of the emails but last year when this whole pandemic first started, Anthony Fauci, I guess he's the director of National Institute of Health, and he came out and first said the coronavirus will have minimal minimal impact on the country. And then it face masks really aren't going to do much. And he kept changing. Now, back then, I even stated on radio shows and many programs that I was on that it's hard to judge because you're basing it on the information you get. So I wasn't faulting them then, but as we go deeper into this, especially in the last couple of weeks when more emails were released that's contradicting what Anthony Fauci said, and then he was in a hearing in the Senate and Senator Rand Paul asked him or asked him, did any funding go specifically to the laboratory for this particular research? And Anthony Fauci said, no, it did not. Now, another expert who had said Rand Paul from Kentucky was on the right track, but what he should have said, did any money from the National Institute of Health or taxpayer money go to any part of the Wuhan lab? And we're finding out that it did. Yeah. Now, Dr. Fauci mentioned we only gave $600,000. Now emails contradict that and says it's almost close to $2 million. Then there was this email track between Fauci and a doctor or a couple doctors at the Wuhan lab first thanking him back last year when they were saying this was potentially coming out of the Wuhan lab. Like they were doing something called, they I call want, it. They, oh, one second. Okay. So you're saying that they knew this virus was coming out before they even let people know about it. Okay. What do you mean by that? They knew that this virus was coming. They saw the impact that it was going to have, except they were just, let's not tell everybody just yet. Now, I don't know about that. I just think when there's a lot of circumstantial evidence so far, and what I mean by what I mean by that is they're, they're finding out that in November of 2019, uh, a bunch of doctors or a few doctors associated with the Wuhan lab gotten were sick enough that they had to be hospitalized. China's preventing us from getting interviewing anybody around that those doctors or who got sick or anybody around so we can talk to these researchers or giving us the evidence that they're looking for. Now, 
The big keyword was gain of function. Now I had to look up what that meant. Gain of function is when they tried to alter an existing disease to try to manipulate it and to see how it goes. Yeah. Now the issue last year was that when Donald President Trump and then Mike Pompeo and then Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas stated that they believe they didn't have the evidence, but they believe that there's a possibility that the virus did not emanate from a wet market from a bat to human or animal to human. It originated in a gain of function type research. It just got away from them. They had sloppy procedures, got on somebody, got released and out to the environment at one because China then locked their country down. Any traveling inside China, but they let all these individuals, you know, Chinese nationals travel all points of the United States, especially Europe and the United States. Let's just maybe take a little bit look at the whole Fauci thing. It's like maybe from our perspective, because what if you have like a leader? And I'm pretty sure we've come across one or two leaders in our profession, both of us being Marines, is that they say one thing and then they constantly change their narrative, even though you have that the NCO or that Stephens that says, this is what is going on. But then they're like, oh, no, it's not that it's this. And then it turns out that staff NCO was right. Maybe for the, our listeners, take a look at how people should be actually looking at this, like their confidence level in this person, Dr. Fauci, telling us what to do. Or- but here's the bigger question. Last year, when Senator Tom Cotton first really push this, that there may be, we need to look at all evidence, not just what we've been told that this was an animal to human contact, that maybe it originated at the the Wuhan lab, that they were trying to alter something to say, look what we can do just as good as the United States. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, there's no evidence to suggest China intentionally used this as a biological weapon to unleash on the world. There's no evidence to support that. And I don't think, but I don't think it is either. But at the same time, everybody said they were conspiracy theorists, Facebook, all the social media shut everything down. Now, fast forward today, now it's a plausible theory. And there was a former Center for Disease Control believes that this wasn't from a wet market, that this more than likely came from the Wuhan lab. Now, John Carl, who's a news reporter or news analyst on CNN stated, the reason why we didn't do it is because the Republican or investigate it or ask these questions is because it came from Donald Trump and the Republicans. So that's why we didn't take it serious. Now, other reporters, and I, I think Molly Hemingway of the Federalist, another reporter, I think, I can't think of his name, analyst from the Washington Examiner said it had a bigger thing to do with Donald Trump. The news organizations couldn't get away, couldn't get, let it go that this wasn't Trump's fault that somebody else would have been responsible for this. It had to be Donald Trump. They mm-hmm. couldn't get her out of it. And the problem of what I would have with John Carl and the news organizations is you violated the fourth section of your own code of ethics that's found in the, the journalistic code of ethics and which states as being impartial. They weren't impartial. They just blamed this on Trump. When he said this came from China, you're being a racist, you've been a xenophobe, whatever epaulets you want to use. Mm-hmm. So the media failed in its due deal. Even today, do we really know what how this virus originated? And we don't. 
they had the World Health Organization investigate this. They only had a very four page said, no, nope, there was no evidence to support. That's a conspiracy theory. But we all know the World Health Organization is controlled and President Tetros, the current president, is controlled by China. But Joe Biden is have us re-enter the World Health Organization by giving them $400 million. Yeah. I don't understand how they're going to investigate when they were the ones propagating the propaganda coming from the Chinese Communist Party. There's a lot to unfold here. And then other like other information uh, coming across. Do you really think that they're going to you think COVID is solely on the decline or the end of this? Even just do you think Fauci should be not necessarily prosecuted? Do you think he should be? At least go up to a Senate well, hearing? For right now, he needs to at least go up to the congressional hearings, whether in the House or whether in the Senate. But we're also finding out there was a massive internal debate at the State Department when Michael Pompeo, his uh, press secretary, Morgan Ortega, and there was the bureaucrats in the State Department and other organizations fighting against finding out more about what caused this coronavirus pandemic. I want to know is if you guys were fine, why didn't you want us to go down that road and look at it? Maybe it originated at the Wuhan lab. Why was that suppressed? Why was that? Or is that because we're going to find out that Dr. Fauci had more involvement with the Chinese and the Wuhan lab? Are we going to find out that American tax dollars helped fund this? That's something I don't know. Did you see something about California? Their their COVID numbers actually declined when they weren't anybody that was in contact or anybody that came in that, that died and then was tested. They didn't label them anymore as a COVID death. That I think was in Alameda County okay. where they, they realized people that they considered COVID deaths or had COVID were not COVID. So I want to go back a little bit. So was China accurately reporting their numbers and just us overinflating our numbers? It could be both. I don't trust anything that comes out of the Chinese, comes out of the Chinese Communist Party. I don't trust them at all. And then at the same time, in this country, look what you had last year. And this is a big problem for the media. Look at who they lion at. They champion as the great hero for how they dealt with COVID. Mm -hmm. Governor Newsom, Governor Whitmer of Michigan, Governor uh, Cuomo of New York, and then Dr. Fauci. Now we're finding out Cuomo grossly misled what the numbers, underreported the numbers. He threw people into nursing homes where he shouldn't have done, gave preferential treatment to his family for testing and for their vaccinations. You had Governor Whitmer and Hertz did the same thing. And then Governor Newsom talks about he ran, took the executive control. He's got his kids going to in-person learning while every, all the 6 million kids in California are still at home doing Zoom, including my two, my nephew and my nieces. Yeah. We got to, this goes back to the problem is our institutions have failed the American people. Why do you think they failed? Just to prove that Trump was wrong and they're the way to go. It seems like everybody's on the slow decline of destroying America ever since Orange Man Bad stepped out of the office. Well, I think it's bigger than that. I also think if you go back to President Obama when he was president, I'm not trying to blame him. Look at the VA that we're more associated with the most Americans. Yeah. How many people are ever held accountable for their actions? The VA, this is by the inspector general appointed by President Obama in 
September 2015 said 300,000 American veterans likely died because they couldn't get the care that they needed or deserved. But did anybody at the VA hierarchy who was responsible for those numbers, who reported false numbers to get bonuses, were they ever held accountable for their actions? No. You got the IRS spying on Americans. Was anybody held accountable? No. You've got the DOJ, the FBI surveilling Americans illegally. Has anybody been held accountable? No. And this goes back to the failure. Even the unemployment department in California, they wasted $31 billion. And a lot of that's federally taxpayer money because they're still short $21 billion that they owe the federal government. That person was, I'm not sure how far she got, but she was supposed to be the number two in the labor department in the Biden administration. So she's rewarded for failure. Nobody's ever held accountable for their bad mistakes or bad governance. Nobody. Okay. What else do we want to talk about? There's a lot of things that ducktail onto that. We're now slowly coming out of the economic lockdown where you've seen a lot of states opening up more vac more people are getting vaccinated and like i stated i work at chick-fil-a and i was watching something on one of the business channels in the morning before i went off to work and um the owner of a sports bar and grill in long beach she was back on this show and they were asking her and to let our listeners know she was complaining because she had outdoor dining. The She was told you have to close down because you're not essential. But then 20 feet from her was a movie theater that was essential. They were allowed to do outdoor dining. So she gets back on the show and then she says, hey, listen, in California, they're going up to $15 minimum wage for even tip employees. I used to have takeout boxes that used to cost $40 a box or now $120 a box. All my costs have gone up. Don't throw even throw in energy costs. So when I got to work on Thursday, I asked the general manager, have your costs gone up on your supplies? And he goes, yes, like gloves. Now, before the COVID, they wore gloves for everything. And we still do. They, I go through at least 50, 60 gloves a day at Chick-fil-A because of you've got to go cross-contamination. There's certain rules and regulation you have. They used to pay $20 a box. I'm excuse me, $40 a box for gloves. Now it's over $100 a box. So you've got these costs that are being thrown back on small business. And President Biden in his economic plan for his infrastructure and a $6 trillion plan wants to raise the cost of small business by their taxes going up, regulations going up. And then if you, I read his economic plan or his budget for FY22, and if you go to page 60, his growth rate is less than 2% for almost an eight-year period. It goes 5% for 2020, uh, excuse me, 2021 would be 5%, 2022 would be about 4%. 20 starting in 2023, almost all the way till 2028, it's only 1.5, 1.8% growth. So we're going to spend $6 trillion, reshape the total American economy, and we're only going to get on average 1.8% growth. That's it. Who put them in charge of that kind of plan? That sounds, that sounds a lot. We're going to pay more to get less. I don't get that, but that's just his plan. But always government always underestimates. It could be there's some economists are saying it's going to be less than that because of all the regulations you're putting in. And people need to understand when you tack, go after big business, they have the lawyers and the accountants and the consultants to weather the regulatory burden. Small 
businesses don't. It seems like they're just trying to lower the GDP in some way. I don't know. It's just something I don't well, understand. It's just well, like. But Joe, here's the, here's the point. Joe Biden, and this goes on to some Republicans as well, but let's just stick with President Biden. President Biden has been in politics or government since he was 29 years old. He's never ran a business. When he joined the Senate in January of 73, He's gone through many recessions, many economic downturns, but he was immune from that because he worked for the government. You work for the government. No offense to a postal worker or anybody who does their day-to-day, but when the recession hit, were you economically affected? No. Most government employees are not, but if you're in the private sector like me, you are. Yeah. And that's the difference. Even Janet Yellen is Treasury Secretary. She was the Federal Reserve Chair appointed by Barack Obama, carried over into the Trump years till J- Jake Powell took, Director Powell took over, Jerome Powell took over. But Janet Yellen was an academic. She's been in either academia or government her whole life. They've never had to raise, like for, like for me and you, we had to start our business. We had to take my own, I had to take my own personal wealth, my own personal money and put it into my business. Now I'm struggling to get it up to, to we can, I can do this full time again, but I had to go out and take a job at Chick-fil-A just to keep the, the lights on. Yeah. Joe Biden's never had to worry about that. And he never will. And that's the difference with people going, and that's the same thing, like even Paul Ryan, who was the former Speaker of the House up until the end of November 2018. He joined the House when he was about 27, 28, and he was 49 when he left. Mm -hmm. He's never ran a business and did things that was not in the public sector. Makes a world of difference. So I want to maybe sideline a little of this for later, but I do want to get into, so a buddy of mine, he came into town, we were fishing, and then we were just kind of like, we're hanging out. He was a Marine. I was a Marine. We never served together, but we know each other from the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Okay. So we were talking about deployments, and that kind of led me into maybe an idea we could talk about is have you been in since, what, 80, 82? All right. My wife was two years old, by the way. Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. When may you get may you get struck down by lightning for saying that. And, and you have 30 years in. So how many deployments have you been on other than Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, I was also reservist. So when I first joined the Marines, I went on a deploy. I went over to Guam for barracks duty for 15 months. Okay. Any, back. Anything going on like over there? Because I have tales of stories from when we did a Mew and we we're like from Bosnia to Spain, even to like Italy. And then on top of that, then going to Okinawa, we went Okinawa, Japan, and then Iraq, Afghanistan. So I was deployed not as many, probably not as many times as you per se, but there's gotta be a story behind a lot of things. When I went to Guam, I was 18 years old. I went on an island. I was on an island. Guam is like Hawaii, but it's, it's closer to Japan. We fought and it's weird. One of the Marines I went with, he didn't even know where Guam was. Okay, wait, was that the same? Guam is the same island that that one senator from Georgia said that they have to balance it correctly or it's going to tip over into the ocean? I'm not uh, sure which one was that, but it's Guam is, we, it was American territory since 1898 when we took it from Spain during the uh, Spanish-American War. 
because we just didn't fight in Cuba. We fought in of the Philippines, and then we took Guam from there. Yeah. Guam's part of the Mariana Islands. And from our listener standpoint, we invaded or liberated Guam in July of 1944. Then mm-hmm. we jumped over and went into Tinian and Saipan. Well, first we, first we went into Saipan first in June. Then in July, I think it was July 24th, they went into Guam. And then they launched the atomic bombs from Tinian. Okay. And there's so many stories there. It was a nice little island. Sometimes you get island fever. Yeah. But I had a good time. I learned a lot. Then I came back and then I went to, I went 30 days leave, came back to Camp Pendleton. Then two months later, they shipped me out again on a deployment to Okinawa with 3rd Battalion, 9th Marines. And I went from Okinawa to the Philippines, to Japan, to Korea for Team Spirit. So I wasn't able to go to Korea. I went to Japan and I went, I was in Okinawa for a little bit. So how was Korea? Because it's got to be different now. Even So when I was in Japan, it was in 2000. No, I was in... So that's 11 years ago. I went to Camp Fuji, Japan for cold weather training for 30 days there. So then we went to... Pohang, Korea, for we first we landed in Pusan and then we bust us up to Pohang and we were at a place called Camp Muchuk and we called it Camp Mudchuk okay. because this was March of 85 and this is at the tail end of winter and it was freezing. And when we got into these tents, literally there was thick mud at the bottom of our cot. So we all pushed the cots together and you put your gear down and then you laid on the cots and everybody just got into one position and that's how you slept yeah because you didn't want to sleep in the mud a similar situation a little bit as we i think everybody like every company or right to passage is doing a a walk up fuji when you're stationed in mount fuji walk up to the top of mount fuji it's a volcano you probably know you you could probably hike up it without being like and you got a bunch of Marines there. And then this one, we almost died on the top of Mount Fuji because it was cold out and Marines, they don't listen. And a lot of us just wear, used to wear t-shirts and they're like just their blouse and they're packed because as soon as you start moving, you start getting hotter and then all the extra clothes you don't need. So well, we were there, like I said, for cold weather training. We went on one operation. They told us we had our cold weather boots. They called them the Mickey Mouse boots. They yeah, use yeah. different boots now. Yep. So we were told to leave them back. Mm-hmm. So we were digging out. We were in the infantry. So we're digging our fighting positions. And I'm guarding this road with another Marine. So we dig in. And then it starts to rain during the night. So then they said, you can't sleep in your sleeping bags. And okay, we're not sleeping in our sleeping bag. So we put up our shelter half. Or this is the old canvas thing. Then they said, you can, you, put, you can get into your sleeping bag. So then we wake up the next day, and now we're under like three feet of snow. We're soaking wet to the bone. And then the SAR major goes, that's it. Tells the battalion commander, who I remember his name was Colonel Wells. He had a very stoic career. He was shot in the leg by an AK-47 at Quezon. So he's seen some combat. He had a Navy cross. So when I first came in, all the senior officers, like senior majors and up, all had Vietnam experience. And every leader that I served with were heavily had heavy combat from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So they take us back and we're in the Quonset huts and we lay all our gear out, dry everything up. Then the next day we went back out 
and they allowed us to take our Mickey Mouse boots, and we conducted our op another five days of operation in the snow. So now that I think about it, you were you with the Desert Shield? No, I was in the reserves that we were never called up. Oh man, because I oh, you had quite a lot of things going on in between your enlistment. Yeah, when I first joined the Marines, this was when the Marines were in Beirut, Lebanon. And okay. then when I was in Grenada, that's where, excuse me, Grenada. When I was on Guam, that's when Marines went to Grenada and back in the, to support the Marine barracks that was blown up in October of 83. My brother, older brother, he was on the USS Independence that was off conducting combat operations in Grenada. And then they went to conduct combat operations into Lebanon. And his ship was the first American carrier to go into two combat operations in two different theaters since so, World War II. I want to save this for maybe a future episode, but tease it a little bit now. I know somebody that is on my route, and he was a, a Navy corpsman in Korea. So I, I can guarantee you he has a ton of stories. And this guy is in his 90s and he doesn't look a day over 80. When was he in Korea? What period? We would have to ask him about that, but he seems very, you know, he's very together wit-wise about that. I could have talked to him for hours, but I'm like looking at my watch, but like, I got to finish my route, buddy. I really want to well, talk. Well, the, re the reason I was wanting to know that, was he part of the Marines when they came out of Pusan? And the initial push, when the North Koreans pushed the Americans and the South Koreans all the way to the Pusan perimeter, was he part of the military operation by MacArthur that landed Marines at England and they went up into the Chosan Reservoir campaign? Yeah, and I think that'd be somewhat interesting to talk to him, maybe get him on either Zoom or as a have him as a guest. in. in the that might be good to have him on for 4th of July, getting close to 4th of July. I think I'll start arranging something about that. Yeah, do that. That would be pretty good to hear his stories. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead and give them some information about the show, John? You can catch these shows and you can, or you can email us and let us know what you think of these shows. And we just love to hear from you. Just go to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you go to Facebook, go to Ubaldi Reports and, excuse me, Ubaldi Reports group and let us know what you think. Yeah, and let's let them know that this live stream and the Patreon, we're still working on it. We want to have it out here shortly, probably before the 4th, before the 4th of July, just to get you guys some more extra content and hopefully... It's better off that you don't see us right now because we're both in our T-shirts. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good day, and keep listening to you, Bobby Report.